I'm really looking forward to talking to this guy, and he's got a new film out involving one of our favorite guys. We play uh, a lot of David Bowie. Daytime. Director Brett Morgan, who's got the uh, Bowie Moon Age Daydream coming out the 23rd. It's going to be on IMAX this Friday, by the way. Brett Morgan, what's up, buddy? Hello, Brett. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Well, we just watched the trailer because we can't see the film quite yet. You, sir, are a bit of an artist, huh? Well, I'm really, first and foremost, a lover of film. Not, not film, of movies. I like, I love going to the movies and having a like, real kind of hermetic experience. And when I was in eighth grade, Pink Floyd, The Wall came out, and it just changed my life. And... For the last, I guess, 40 years, I've been dreaming of trying to create something that kind of exciting and enigmatic and that could just, you could just go to a movie theater and just, you know, have sure. auditory experience that you, you know, that's out of this world. And so this is just a dream right now. You know, what's funny, Brett, is Nick Mason's coming out with us in a little bit. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, please tell him that I've. Retired from directing music films, but if he's interested, I would come out of retirement to do Floyd. All right, we will. And, and, hey. and Brett, you know, being in, in rock music, of course, the success of the Queen biopic and the Elton biopic, which I thought was, the, the, whoever did the Elton one really took a chance creatively, and yet it worked. How is uh, the Bowie film, it's more of a traditional documentary, would you say, as opposed to a biopic? No, it's not a traditional documentary. Okay any stretch of the imagination. There are no facts. There's no time dates. You're not going to see any album covers. This is a totally unique, different experience. I'd describe it as like if Disneyland had arrived about David Bowie. That's probably a better analogy. It's an immersive journey through David's career and uh, imagination. And it's only David that's providing the, uh, the narration. So you really get access to him in a way that we never have before. David was, you know, I think quite mysterious and enigmatic and um, sort of unknowable in many ways. And I think that, you know, we, we all have our own idea of Bowie. And, um, and I think, you know, the fact that I was given access to every item inside his uh, archive, plus all the known media outside of it, gave me a vantage point um, that was rather unique and able to kind of um, create a, a cinematic experience that is, has a kind of narrative thrust of a kind of hero's journey. Well, you and, know... Um, oh, go ahead. No, no, please. Well, I was just going to say, he's one of those rare actors. I mean, you're doing, making a film about a subject. Uh, you know, my dad liked David Bowie. I like David Bowie. My 15-year-old son, Brett, has every David Bowie vinyl. We're talking about a guy who spans generations and still loved and liked. Yeah, you know, the David Bowie is exhibit that, that toured the world. It was like, Eight to eighty, you know. I think that little kids, you know, two years as a Bowie. Bowie. I mean, uh, there's something so pure about David, and there's something that I think he was. A, you know, he was on an elevated plane, and um, one of the things that I found so mind blowing in this film is that you know, whenever David got comfortable, he would change his direction, and most of us, you know, most, particularly in rock, right? And when we think of like the last 40, 50 years of rock and roll, how many artists are willing to put their fame and their fortune and their audience on the line to fulfill a creative itch? 
And um, Bowie was one of a kind. There yeah. was no one like him. And we wanted to make a movie that was as unique and original as the artist himself. I felt he, you know, doing it behind the music or a kind of A through Z typical documentary. You can watch that at home. Yeah. You know what I mean? But this was designed for the cinema. I didn't even ever want this to get a streaming. Uh, I don't know. I I guess it'll be sometime next year. But, you know, this is really like me as just a a film and music geek trying to make the ultimate, like, rock and roll film. Yeah, he really was such a chameleon. uh, chameleon. We're talking with uh, director Brett Morgan, uh, director of the new uh, David Bowie film, Moon Age Daydream. Was there any pushback when when you get this creative with somebody else's work? Uh, was there, and I know you're the boss, but was there a producer or maybe even the estate that said, you're going to try what? How how do you want to do this? Because it is different than anything previously, right? Yeah, so I didn't have a producer. I didn't have a studio. I was by myself. They I gave you full reign. The, the, the estate gave me final cut. Wow. The only thing they said to me and was David Don't Conner. F it up. That wasn't even that. They just said David's not here to approve and authorize it, so it's 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 not going to be Bowie and Bowie. It's your interpretation, and and so I think because of that, they refused to give me any input. I went up to them one day after Bohemian Rhapsody came out, which is a film I saw fourteen times in the first fifteen days of its release, because I loved hearing Queen in a movie theater. And I hired the, I ended up hiring the Academy Award winning sound team that did Bohemian Rhapsody to help us bring Bowie to life in IMAX. And uh, at one point I went back to the estate and I said, listen, there's like two different ways I could make this film. We can do like a kind of sing-along with a bouncing ball and um, very kind of like accessibly easy uh, interpretation like Bohemian Rhapsody, and we could probably make a lot more money. Or we can do something that's a little more sort of pure to David's aesthetic. Avant-garde. That's your problem. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You figure it out. Yeah. And the answer was kind of easy, which is, you know, David deserved something as original and as audacious as he was. And, um, you know, yesterday we got uh, this review that came out of... Uh, Esquire calling it the greatest rock film of the decade above, not documentary, but more so than Bohemian Rhapsody, more than Rocket Man. Uh, they were like, this is the one that got it right. Oh, so let me great. ask you this then, Brett. Great. So good for you. Yeah, this debuts at, it debuted at the Cannes Film Festival and it's a big deal. Were you like personally waiting for the end to see what type of reaction it got? What Did it get a standing ovation? Were you worried how people would think at that festival about it? So I left everything on the table. I, I mean, I, 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 this was seven years. I don't want to get too personal here. I had a heart attack. I, I, I flatlined for a few minutes while I was during this whole experience, which I think really helped me access something that I wasn't, wouldn't have been able to access before. So by the time I arrived at Cannes, I really felt like, you know, I, I did everything I could do. And our premiere was on a midnight on a Monday night, which was just, when you're, Fine, get that call. You're like, wait, I've spent seven years. We're going to premiere at midnight on a Monday night. It's kind of late. And um, and so I didn't know what to expect, but I was prepared for anything. And at 2.37 in the morning on May 22nd, uh, the audience rose to their feet at the end of the film for five minutes. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, it's been kind of a dream since. And I'll tell you, a Me. festival crowd is a festival crowd. 
it's great, but you know they're, they're all you know high end or whatever. We had our first sneak previews for for regular audiences around the the country on Monday night, and the social media response. There's videos of a theater in California with the entire room standing and dancing through the end credits. Um, this is kind of a communal sort of calling to like bring all the Bowie community, the rock community, out into a cinema to experience something that they will never get to experience again. It's one week in IMAX, and uh, it's, 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 it's been a, a, the, the, the greatest experience of my uh, professional career to be wow. privileged to bring David Bowie to audiences. And the it's world. a great career you've I'm had. in, man. Yeah, I'm a, in. A, great, a great career, man. Hey, real quick, I know you got to run. You're doing a lot of stuff. What did David think of the afterlife? Was he a believer? Um, in the afterlife as such, well, you know, you should see the film. He gets into it a bit. Yeah, because so, he, was, he made uh, that last album when he was dying. That's why I was curious about it. Hey, this is what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to share this with you, and then we'll, well, I guess we'll take it off. There is a, so at the very beginning of the project, I listened to every David Bowie um, song from beginning, you know, from the first one to the last one in order, you know, just to kind of get into, start to get into it. And at the very beginning, one of his first songs that he did when he was, I think, 17 or 18 is called Silly Boy Blue. And it's about reincarnation and Buddhism. Or I don't want, that's my interpretation of it. And at the end of the song, I heard this kind of melody as it's fading out. And they forgive my off-key singing, but it was this thing that sounded like... That That sounds so familiar. Three weeks later, I arrived at Black Star, a song also arguably about reincarnation and and moving on. And in the middle bridge of that song, I heard... I took the stems from Black Star, I took the stems from Silly Boy Blue, I laid them on top of each other, and it was a perfect match. In fact, in the end of the film, I cut them together without putting a signpost on saying that that's what it is, but that is what it is. Um, The first song and the last song, he's having a dialogue with himself. Um, It it, 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 it was... I I can't articulate, you know, I haven't watched every frame of material of david bowie uh, i'm in awe this he, he was otherworldly in the sense that um he had uh, he was able to pick up on frequencies and transmissions in his life and i think the rest of us just you know just couldn't feel yet and so in many ways he was writing the soundtrack for the 21st century i'm getting tickets right now I was man say, i'm that, getting tickets on it's, IMAX it's right so, now. it's so rare where you get a peek behind the curtain and then you become a bigger fan a lot of times it goes the opposite direction boy congratulations on all the uh success sir thank you guys thank you so much have a great week and uh i i hope your audiences join you in a uh, celebration of Bowie this weekend. Absolutely. Thank you, Brett Morgan.